devil in the details. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parkson and I'm here talking all things. So for a devil's job on the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Parkin. How's your week been, mate? Yeah, it's been good. It's been okay. A bit busy, sort of, but uh, obviously Friday night went to Leeds. Saturday, I was at Haywood uh, Road in Sale. Oh, Jimmy Neves in a rugby tournament. A little story I got there, and uh, as we were going in, they said it's five pound each. It's an under sevens <laughs> tournament. What, what, what are you going on about? So we paid it. We went in. Little did we know that Swinton were playing to lose at home. Ah, and they were, you know, we saw the gear on. About as popular as well. I won't go into details, but <laughs> but we did leave after kickoff. As soon as it kicked off, we left. But Coach Rowley was there. Is it? Yeah, so I don't know if he's just having an afternoon out or what, or whether he was scouting, I've no idea. But yeah, it was good to see him, so we let on to him. But yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting week. It's been a plenty going on in, in life. So want the weather to buck up now and we'll be uh, we'll be all right. Yeah, I was due to go on a hot air balloon ride last wow. week, unfortunately, but the too windy, which is a bit gutting. Supposed to go on my with my dad for his 70th birthday. Um, gifting so been trying for like two years to get off the ground with this thing with you know covid and all that jazz but yeah unfortunately i think it's the fifth time i've managed to try to book it but this time too windy up in the air and we couldn't guarantee that we'd take off in one place and land in another which is disappointing literally couldn't get it off the ground <laughs> that's that's good I don't, I don't think i fancy that though yeah. i think it's my thing i don't mind flying but mm. i don't know something about a balloon yeah don't seem sturdy enough to me but no there is that there is that but i know what i'm like parky i like the, the sky and space and all that and i like to yeah. to be honest i'll be looking up more than looking down i've got to admit that but that's just the that's that's who i am you know what i mean but yeah uh, excited hopefully this time in whatever it is june the next effort it'll be not too sunny not too windy not too rainy it won't be Tuesday or summer, whatever. It'll be good. To hopefully, get off the ground and I'll be able to enjoy it with my dad. Hopefully, so yeah, lots to go up this week, Parker. We can look back at the Leeds victory. Uh, we'll look back at our ladies' game that they, they lost to, to Cardiff in the in the Challenge Cup. We've got all the big news coming out of the club this week. We've got White Sides World Rugby League, and we've got the preview of all our teams' games this week. And so we'll start with the victory against Leeds. Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. Yep, so Sulfur Devils travelled to Leeds Rhinos on Friday night and were victorious. They beat Leeds 22 points to 12. Parker, not one of our happiest hunting grounds, but a convincing win for Paul Rowley's men. Yeah, that's an understatement. A record there's well, shocking, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know what it is about that place, but it usually gets to us but that that performance on Friday night I think it said everything about this team how how good we actually are the defensive effort at times was in stifling leads it was the best I think it's the best defensive effort in terms of the way we defended we got into them a little bit more we were a bit more in the face rather than we hang back 10 metres they make 10 and then they make a bit more because they you know got momentum but they have a big pack was all I said last week that that would be a problem for us and it wasn't. It just we were we were just superb. And then when we had ball in hand, it seemed like every everything we did was coming off. You know, there weren't that many drop balls. There were, you know, there were silly mistakes throwing the ball in the toilet. That was their job. Mm. And the best thing for me was the way we kept pinning them down their end off, at least kicking it 
down there and getting, you know, playing in their half as much as we could. And we scored some really good tries, really good tries. It just, you know, from from the defence, we know we can attack. We know that. And if you get near your line, you, you're going to be in trouble. But defensively, at times, we can be a little bit, a little bit lax from from further out. Not so much on our line, but further. Out. And on Friday night, that that didn't happen. We were we were magnificent. And like you said, you know, going to Leeds is it's never never easy for us. Yeah, it's the third time I've seen us win there in forty odd years. So yeah, a brilliant, like a momentous occasion. It's one of them. I think it happened in twenty nineteen. That feeling as well. Not so much in two thousand and nine when we won there, but two thousand nineteen. It felt like yes, we are someone. This isn't a one off. We're we're good enough to beat these. So yeah, just I, I loved the, the whole performance, and it, there was a few nervy moments for most of the game. I just thought we were in charge. Yeah. I thought I felt comfortable. I've done it a few times this year. I did it late twice, even though the games finished quite close. I always thought we were in control of them, and then we've gone to Leeds and and done the same to them. And they're obviously you know I, I, I've met a team of you know the grand final last year. So but no, brilliant result and, and just massive credit to the lads because again we're still missing key players. You know, especially on that flank there with no seal and, and Lafay, uh, and you're bringing in, you know, Williams and, and Longstaff. I mean, Longstaff's not even a not even a centre; he's mm-hmm. a back rower, and he did a, you know, he did a decent job. He got into the game. He started a bit slow, slowly, but he got into the game, and you know, credit to him as well. But it just shows that these lads are willing to to play anywhere for the team, and it, it's you know, it's just a massive credit to him. Yeah, I thought Lee's real ill-disciplined. I thought. They gave us possession. They gave us territory. We all know what our problem is getting out of our 20, but yeah. too too much turnover ball just piggybacked us up the pitch time after time after time. And, you know, we took took advantage. The <clears throat> start off with a sin bin, the Blake Austin sin bin, where he took uh, Callum Watkins out, where it could have possibly looked like he was going to score. But obviously down to 12 men, Salford in the ascendancy and, and the momentum. First try, Reese Williams, lovely hands from left to right. Everyone involved, Croft, Briley and Cross sends Williams over and Salford lead 6-0. For me, the, the key to that that move is not just the, the, the run of Briley coming in again from, from that full-back role into the line, was mm. was Andy Acker's acting half. If you watch what he does, he, he's really clever, but he, he picks the ball up. Now, we know he likes to have a run himself. He's great at that, them dummy half runs. But he looked to his left and took a step slightly. So their defence was already shifting left. Now, the one, the one man down... And then he instantly just flipped through it to the right, and they they were just they were outnumbered from that point on. And we, you know, and they were going to be anyway. But and Williams took that try really well because he took some scoring still in the corner. He could have easily got pushed out. So yeah, a, a wonderful start to the game. And I think from that point on, I think I could see that we had we had something over them. I think we just I don't know. I don't. They weren't scared of us, obviously, but they, they, they were they were obviously well aware of what we could do with the ball, and they seemed to stand off a bit. But yeah, wonderful start for, for us. Yeah. So Leeds down to 12 men. We get a set restart on the next set. We force a dropout from Leeds. Next play, Sam Stone goes over. Lovely work by Mark Steed. Sends the big second row over for his second try of the season. Yeah, he's, he's really growing, isn't he? A bit like you know what Shane Wright's done in, in, when he comes on. That Just a lot of hard work, a lot of hard graft, but it seems to be in the right place, especially near, near the try line, which is, you know, it's great if you've got forward pitching and with tries. It's, it's, it's a great thing to have. But again, like you say, we set it up. Well, it was all about the build-up and how we got leads to move around. They, they were sort of, you know, running to our tune, if you like. And yeah, at, at that point, I think 
I think we we're all in a bit of dreamland, you know, and there was a lot of us there, a lot of, a lot of reds there. It was a great atmosphere in that end, considering you don't really get an atmosphere in that end. But yeah, we, you know, I remember we, we just going wild, couldn't, couldn't believe what was going on. And it just delayed all the fears. And I think from then, I think the team knew that they were going to win this game. Yeah. So 12 nil up, we turn the ball over at kickoff. Then they have opportunities then. There was a couple of opportunities. Ryan Bradley got injured with a try-saving tackle. Mm-hmm. They had a dis- disallowed try, which was that one. They had a chance in the corner where, I think it was Newman, threw the ball into touch. Yeah. And and then, unfortunately for us, just on the, just on half-time, Richie Myler scored. People talk about it being obstruction and being offside and forward pass. But for me, Leeds were more dangerous in the last 10 minutes keeping the ball alive, and they knew that. But we did our best to keep the defensive line straight and hard, but unfortunately, he ran out of bodies and might have went over. Yeah, I, I like I said, that where they threw the ball into touch was, was really good defence. I think it was Longstaff again, came out and put pressure on him, and he had to force the pass and, and obviously didn't look. That try, I, I don't... At first, I thought it was an obstruction on Sneed, but having watched it back on the, on you know highlights, it, it's, it's a coming together. He didn't have to get out of his way. But previously to that, there yeah. was a forward pass. Uh, and they had one last year against us. They went to like an 18-0 lead last year. They got a couple of yeah. dubious tries. I don't even remember the charge down. But they, oh, they, and they knocked the ball out from the yeah. spot. And somehow they got the ball. It was a bit bizarre. Anyway, so I, I was a bit worried that, that maybe the referee had, I don't know, you know, swayed a little bit by that crowd, which, let's be honest, they, they I think they... Boo at Santa Santa Claus them lot. They, to be they, fair, they got on his back yeah. for for things he wasn't doing wrong. I don't think he, I don't think he was terrible. Certainly the second half, but I just thought it was a forward pass in the build up. You, you get missed. It happens. Will have scored off forward passes this year, so mm. it happens. So yeah, it was just just the timing really was disappointing because you think if they come out and score at the start of the half, it can change the momentum massively. Yeah, and, and I, I, we didn't deserve that. I didn't see if I didn't see a forward pass in it. I think Mark Sneed knew what he was doing, trying to trying to get the penalty. But it, it was what it was. They go over just for half time. And obviously, we're talking about previous Leeds performances. We know what's coming, don't we? But it didn't come for me. No. I think obviously we talk about Lee Rhinos and, you know, Rowan Smith rebuilding him. But I just think there's a lot more sort of trouble going on. Because they never seemed, you said that the, the, the Leeds fans got on top of the referee and they were shouting. From where I was in the South Stand, there wasn't that kind of anger or passion to like, we've got to lift them now. There wasn't, I didn't feel that from their supporters. They were just expecting something to happen, really. And it never did. The players, for me, there was one point, I know sort of was going on later into the second half, where Cross knocks on and have to feed the scrum with about five minutes to go, four minutes to go. And instead of all rushing to the scrum and getting the game going again, mm. just sort of everyone just mooches over to the scrum and they waste like 30 seconds there. And you're thinking you're behind by 10 points mm. at home. Where's the urgency? So there was, there was I don't know whether it's the one-off or, or what, but I think they're, they're missing that that X factor, with, which, you know, what Leeds Rhinos is all about, really. But good for us. But, you know, it'll take a lot to, to, to fix that, I think. You're absolutely right. There is issues at Leeds, clearly. I mean, I'd start with their recruitment for this year. Mm. I think it was shocking for a club of that size with that kind of money they've got. And, you know, they went out and signed Daryl Alfords. And we all know that he can score tries. He's a good finisher. 
But half the time, you can't keep hold of the ball. I know it's not his fault from Friday night, but and they brought in Lewis Roberts, who was yeah. with us in our academy a while ago. Again, a bit of a strange one. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he, if you're if you're a grand final team like they were last year and you're building, mm. it's not the signing you make. And I look to the rest of the team and I look at them and I think, how many of that team would I take and bring to Salford? Yeah. And, and actually, get a game, I'd probably take Ash Hanley on the wings. I think he's, a, you know, he always scores against. He's a fantastic player. A lead scale front because, you know, he's a big, tough ball going forward. You know, maybe that so that that might be it. it. Might be one or two more, but there's nothing. That's not Leeds. You don't expect that. You go to Leeds. You want Danny Maguire, you've mm. Rob Burrow. You've got Peacock. You know, you have got these stars of the game. Uh, and there's, yeah, so there's something not not quite right. And I think the fans getting on the referee was because of that. Because of the frustration that they're not used to this, mm. and they've got to find an excuse as to why it's happening. And I think sometimes you do that. I I know we do it. You know, fans do it when. When we're behind, we're playing rubbish, and you start picking on the ref. It's like well, it's not his fault that we're conceding thirty points. You know, that's that's not the. Um, but I think yeah, I think there's a lot, a lot going on. And the other thing is with that, you were saying about the passion from the fans and stuff. I think once they took the old South stand down, I think they lost a hell of a lot for atmosphere. Yeah. Look, it's a fantastic stadium now. It looks the part. You know, it just needs a roof on one end, but but it's not as fierce as it used to be. And I think that helps teams, and it mm. won't help Leeds one bit. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there, there Parker. Just, it just didn't seem to be any zip in the air. And, that, and that's, you know, at home, if you're the top side, you, you you have that, don't you? You know what I mean? I just thought to myself, you know, they, they aren't, you know, Leeds Rhinos of five years ago here. You know, and, and that's that the fear factor's gone, which, yeah. which is which is which is good for teams like Oz who go there and sometimes are beaten by pre by previous ghosts, really, yeah. before the actual sort of game kicks off. But and also I thought as well. They weren't able to build any pressure on us mm. at all. They just, they just let go of the the pressure valve too easy. There was one point where they had us pinned on our line, and then the next tackle they got pinned pinged for offside. And it's moments like you think it's like they call, call them coach killers, don't they? Really. And I was like, wow, thank thank the Lord that's happened because we were we were stuck. We weren't getting out of there. And, it's, and they had, it happened a couple of times throughout the game where ill discipline by them helped us. I'm not going to moan about it because you know we've had a we've had a few over the years where it hasn't gone our way, but it was more it was self-inflicted a lot of it from Leeds. You're right, and that, that was it. You were right. What you said earlier on about the discipline mm. it was terrible from Leeds, absolutely awful. But that that your discipline goes when you're a struggling team. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You give away more penalty. You do. It's, it's, it's strange. I don't know what you mean. I think a lot of it with them with the ball was was our defence. Mm forcing them into certain areas that we don't normally do. We normally let teams play in front of us and, you know, they don't always go through us, but they, we give them a little bit too much credit and a bit too much space. We didn't do that with Heat on, on Friday. We, we closed them down there, key players. You know, we kept them really quiet. Didn't know much much from, you know, their half-backs. Or you, didn't, you didn't see anything from them. So, but, but again, at the same point, I thought Leeds were... We're, we're just really poor. Mm. I think they look like a, a bit of a, a bit of a broken team, if I'm honest. Yeah. So basically, a big defence from us, organised attack from us, kicks deep, forces a drop out. They kick out on the full. Max Knee keeps the scoreboard ticking over with a penalty just in front of the post. Takes it to fourteen six. It's one of them things that I always say. Once we get in front, just take every point you can from that mm. point. Because you don't expect. These days in Super League, generally, there aren't that many blowouts. Most most weeks, it's, you know, it can be eight, 
points either way. If you've got a six-point lead or whatever, just keep adding an extra two when you get them, or even a drop goal if you have to, but get mm. the ball back and go again. And, and we did that really smart play because people were saying, uh, at one point when we did tap it, it was the right time, and this mm. was the right time to kick it, and when we were going to kick it, we were, no, tap it, no, just get these extra two on, and then we can play if we have to. You know, we've got a bit of a cushion if it goes wrong, and you know, it, it works, and that's that's on the field as well as off the field. That's using your brains, and that's what someone like Mark Sneed, Callum Watkins will bring. Paul Rowley talks about giving the players the responsibility in that position where if they feel like it's on, it's on. So he kind of lets them decide, which, which is fine on the field. If you've got, you know, like a feeling that it's coming, then you, you know, you don't want your coach. Obviously, he is the head coach. He makes the final decision, doesn't he? If he, you know, adamantly decides that we're taking the two, we take the two. But I think by the sound of it, most of the time he says, well, what do you think? And the players like Mark Sneed, like you said, experienced pro, been there, done it. He knows what's going on on the field. And decision making in that strategic area is, is, is bang on for me. So, like we said, ill-discipline from Leeds, penalty, penalty, try resulted in a try by Ellis Longstaff, lovely kick by Brody Croft. And Ellis Longstaff, who was fabulous throughout, got on the end of it and it made it 22-6. Yes, that was the other thing, the, the kicking from, well, both of them, but certainly Croft. Mm. There was a, a kick he put in where we, I think we, we held him behind the line for a dropout and he, he just dropped it in the perfect place. Uh, their fullback or winger, I can't remember who it was, picked it up. It might be Milo. And he had nowhere to go because mm. it had just been perfectly played. If you could have put it anywhere on the pitch, that's where you wanted it. And he landed it there. And then, like you say, for, for Longstaff's try, again, it's just smart thinking. Put the, put the kick in because they, they, they were expecting the pass out. It was a, That was a simple thing. They were numbering up there to, to cut us out. And they come out that fast. We just went, you know, went through them. So... Just another really smart try. And, and by that point, I think that, that killed the game. Yeah, we were leading 22-6. Leeds goal short. And it looked like a potential knock-on to me. But I think it was Reese uh, the second row was played in the centre. Martin, that's him, just about grabbed hold of it. A couple of tackles later, Leeds go over in the corner at 22 12 with about 10 minutes to go and at that point I thought it's going to come here and like I said it never did park in and that's the that's the thing which which really encourages me about this team because they don't get phased by by you know previous goals they're just there to make their own history yeah I think we probably by that time I think we've knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit mm. they, you know they had struggles all the way through the game trying to break us down and I think it was probably out of ideas and and probably knew the game had gone. They, they could have possibly got something out of it, if you know. But it, I think by that point it was too late. We'd have been a bit tired by that point, a bit of fatigue coming in. That's why I think we, you know, when they got the ball off us, we just weren't switched on. But we put a lot of work in by that point, and I just felt safe by then. I really did. And I, we did. It'd have been nice to keep them to you know single figures if we could, but we're away at Headingley. I don't care if we win by one or you know one hundred. Just going there and getting a win was, was good enough for me. So, but a fantastic all-round performance. And, and obviously, we haven't even mentioned the fact that we lost Ryan Briley, mm. you know, in the first half. And, and Chris Atkin came on and, wow. Is there anywhere this lad can't play? Mm. He, is, he is unbelievable. He went at fullback and I just thought, he looks like a fullback. It looks like that's his position all the time. He was never caught out. He was... You know, he was there, he pulled off some good tackles. And obviously, we know how good he is with the ball anyway, because he's a halfback. So getting him into the line, it was just, it was seamless. 
So yeah, just all all round, every single one of them were to a man were absolutely superb. Yep, we're joined by Paul Whiteside back from keeping Britain warm. Paul, and uh, thoughts on the Leeds win? I thought it was a great performance, Rob. I really did. Just echoing what Park he said there, I thought Chris Atkin, tremendous. I mean, he'd probably fit, he would fit in every single team in the Super League, I think. And there's probably some NRL teams that would have him just for his durability, the, the sort of strength of him as well. Nothing seems to phase him. You know, he's such a brave lad. And yeah, I thought he was great. And I thought Reese Williams had a belting game as well. I thought he was really good. I thought Ellis Longstaff in the first half, that uh, Newman, the centre of Leeds, seemed to be giving him a real hard time. And he seemed to grow into that and I tell you what he didn't have give it him when he scored there's a couple of times where Ellis was in his ear all on that and got his own back on him so I thought he came of age on Friday night Ellis Longstaff he really grew into that game and after a shaky start I think he announced himself on the scene as a solver player so so yeah that was that was a pleasing aspect the only thing that I didn't like was the way we, we, we kicked for, for penalty at the end. I thought we should have run it there because we ended up kicking the goal, missing it. Leeds got the ball back and then they scored. And it was like the Alamo coming out. I think we should have took the sting out of it and, and just run that. So that was the only thing I thought. Other than that, I thought the performance was... I just thought we, we were dead solid. We don't look vulnerable anymore. We look tough. We look, we're hard to beat. We really are hard to beat. You know, we, we, we might not be like scoring tons of points like we were last season, but... I think we, we, we're playing a different brand, aren't we now? And no, it was great. It was great to get a win there and it'd be a great double if we could back it with a win at St. Helens, wouldn't it? And whisper that one. But, but no, I enjoyed it. It was a good night. Yeah, the man behind making us hard to beat, Paul Rowler, spoke to me after the game. This is what he had to say. Coach's Corner. Congratulations on the win, Paul. How do you feel making history? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we won't look at it like that. We just we just enjoy the win. Um, so we, you know, we want to we want to try and win as many games as we can, obviously. So uh, again, as I just said to Matt, um, it's great to come here in this environment at such a great club and prestigious club. They, they, they put a show on, don't they, Leeds? And and it's good. It's good for our players. It's good for us as staff. We we enjoy coming here. So you know, it tops it off getting the win. Uh, and anything you get is well earned. And and it, and you know that's credit to the players. Yeah, no flashy rally ball. You had to grind the result out today. Must be impressed with that. Yeah, absolutely. A, a performance built on defence, which we've been, we've been doing that for you know the last few weeks. So uh, yeah, we've got we've got a bit of uh, resilience in the camp, and we've got a good group. Yeah, Max need you know game game management through the through the game, kicking the penalties, keeping the scoreboard ticking over. Tremendous performance. Uh, yeah, I think the the bigger call was not taking the penalty and and getting the try on the back of it. So. Uh, you know that, and that's that's player led, and, and so you know, yeah, you're right. Mark need his game management was fantastic. So uh, for him to make that decision is the most impressive one, more than any of his two pointers, uh, because they felt the momentum of the game. Uh, we have trust as a staff in our players to make the right decisions, and we'll back them whatever they do. And so uh, you know, it's something that we love to see as coaches that we've got a team that back themselves. Apart from Ryan Brown, anyone in risk concerns? Uh, bumps and bruises, but we came through uh, generally unscathed, I think. Uh, St Helens uh, next week, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, obviously it doesn't get any easier, does it? So uh, the, the the good challenges and ones we look forward to, uh, uh, obviously Saints, you know, the the highly decorated, the, the benchmark, aren't they? We've said that all along. So, um, yeah, we're not quite at the halfway stage of the season yet. So, we're, you know, we've improved on this time last year. So, you know, that's uh, evolving again, use that word. So, 
Um, but yeah, we'll go to we'll go to St. Helens as we do with everybody, and we'll prepare you know for a good battle and uh, and, we'll, and we'll prepare for a really physical challenge that St. Helens always you know pours upon you. They've got the you know some bodies back in now as well, the the main players. So uh, we'll we'll expect St. Helens at the best. Brilliant. Cheers, Paul. Cheers. So that's Paul Rowley talking himself after the game. Parking, he was chuffed with the performance, obviously proud of his lad's performance against a tough lead time. Yeah, I'd say that's probably as pleased as I've ever heard him speak in terms of he's just a, you know, he's always at medium, isn't he? He's never at low and he's never at high. He just keeps everything on the level. But he seemed he seemed really sort of invigorated by that and, and, and excited by what, what he'd seen. Mm. And it was because it was such a professional performance. It was for me as you know a long-term fan. It was out, of, you know, it was uncharacteristic of Salford. <laughs> That's not how we play rugby. That's not what we do. And if we can attack, we generally don't defend very well, or, or what you know. But at the moment, we've just got the whole thing. And like Paul just said, there we're not scoring as many points as last year. But I think there's a, there's a few things there. I mean, obviously players that are missing bit of strike out wide that's not not there at the moment. I know Williams was was superb again, and, and Ellis the other day, but. You've got Ken Seal and Lafayette missing, and they, they had so much to the team, especially bringing the ball out of defence, they caused problems. And I just thought, overall, when you look at us now, you've just said it there, we just look solid. We look, you know, and you listen to Paul Rowling, he, he just sounds like a satisfied man. Mm. You know, he's just, he just sort of like, not my job is done, but we're at a level now that we need to be at. And if we're going to be in this top, you know, these playoffs every year. That, that, that's the performance you've got to put in every week. Yeah, Rowan Smith, Paul, he was talking about the referee allowing us to hold on quite a bit. I didn't see it personally, but it sort of smells of a, a coach's desk. Rubbish, mate. All teams do it every week. There's not a team in Super League that doesn't lie on. Every single team lies on. Every single team lies offside. Every single team will do whatever they can to gain an advantage on their opposition. So whatever Rowan Smith's talking there it's just sour grapes for me I mean how many times has Salford been to Leeds and had the pocket picked there's the Richie Myler incident the forward pass incident under Ian Watson I can remember Adrian Bowles coughing the ball up in 2002 when we got beat 39-38 and we should have yeah, had a scrum and there's been loads there's been absolutely tons of them so you've got to take the rough with a smooth that's why we've got such a ridiculous record at Leeds and St. Helens because yeah a lot of the times we've been stuffed but there's been a lot of times where we've been on the end of, you know, mediocre decisions, same at St. Helens. And look at last season, <clears throat> excuse me, in that playoff game. We never we did we never seem to get that that rub of the green. And, and you don't in sport, if you go away to a side that's got massive crowds, the FA will probably swing towards the home because it'll be influenced by the crowd, won't it? And you know, they're only human and that goes on. So I think for, I think that Bentley was moaning as well on Twitter about something with But yeah, say his try was given, we'd have still won the game anyway. So I, I, I don't buy it. I think you shouldn't moan about stuff like that. I think you should give Salford a bit of respect and say they, they played well. So, yeah, I don't buy into coaches' wins. You know, I think it's it's the same for all teams. Yeah. Looking at the stats, Andy Ackers, 33 tackles. Sam Stone, 28 tackles. Oliver Partington, 33 tackles. Shane Wright, 34 tackles. And Ellis Longstaff, 32 tackles. Parker. Yeah, brilliant. Ellis Longstaff there again, you know, th- 30 odd tackles in the centre. That's that's some work. So they obviously targeted that side. They thought that was going to be a weak link and, and were proven badly wrong. Thought Ali Partington got through a ton, absolute ton of work. He's he's a he's a joy to watch. I think he's he's the kind of player we've missed for a long time. Obviously he's a, you know he's a big lad, but he's got great hands, but his work rate is is second to none. He's superb. And him, him and Wright, 
I mean, I think Shane Wright's now showing what we missed for most of last year when he was injured. I think he missed like 15 weeks last year. And when you get a fully fit player like that, again, he's he's just every single week. He's you know he's nine out of ten. But a lot, yeah, a lot of tackling done there. I'm a bit surprised there was that many actually because. Thought we, like I said, I thought we kind of controlled the game anyway. But yeah, no good, good figures. Yep. Top meter makers, Brodercroft with 96, Kim V with 97, Oliver Partison with 88, Tyler Derpy with 92, Shane Wright with 167, and Dion Cross 99. Paul? Yeah, Shane Wright's a, a worker, isn't he? You know, we all know that, what he does with the ball, but I think he's becoming an out-and-out top second-row player for me. And, and Sam Stone as well. You've got two lads there in the back row. And Callum Watkins, don't forget, as well. He he can play in the, in the pack. Right? But I think in Shane Wright, you've got a quality, real quality second-row man there. I love to see him running out wide. And I think he could be, you know, a big part against St. Helens at the weekend. And I know he seems to start a lot on the bench, doesn't he? But, you know, whether he prefers it like that. But I've been so impressed with him this season. I think he's getting better and better. And, I was having a chat with somebody today about him. We were talking about like the firm grounds and sort of being better in, as the as the weather seems to get better. But if you look <laughs> at last season, I think we only had a couple of wins, didn't we, this sort of time last season. Now we've got 14 points. We've won seven games already. So if we was to go on a run, when the drier grounds get drier and, and the weather gets better, we couldn't be on top of the table. So I'm really pleased where we are at the moment. But like, yeah, to echo what you said there, Shane, like King Bunny Iowa, I thought put big big minutes in as well. But I've been impressed with Stone. I think he's getting better and better every week. He's he's tough. There's not a lot of him, but he really is a tough man. And Partington as well, becoming a real enforcer in the pack, does the dirty work. And for want of a better word, he's a bit of a niggler. And every team needs that. They need somebody to dish it out, do the do the dirty work and that. And Oliver Partington seems to thrive on that. If we're going to start talking about how good we're going to get when the ground firms up, Parky, I'm going to start talking about how Neil Baines lost two stone. Yeah, yeah, we've heard it before, haven't we? No, but he's, he's right. I mean, you know, last season, it, it took us to the back end of the season, really, to to kick in. You know, and it was when the, the weather kind of broke for us. It was, you know, I remember the games at, against Saints when we, we, we batted Saints at home and Huddersfield at home and, you know, Wakefield. They were, they were actually really nice days. And it, do, it does have an effect. Because obviously the way we play, we like to move the ball about. And if the ball's greasy, it's not, not ideal for us in our t- attacking style. But so, yeah, again, they're stuck right with the metres. Mm. They're massive metres. Because like you say, he's not on the pitch for 80 minutes. I mean, that's that's a massive work rate. And again, I just want to say, like I just said about Partington and Paul said the same thing. He is, he's that, that little bit of difference that we've not had. Mm. He is a bit niggly. He is a bit, he brings some of that Wigan professionalism, them little... A little tricks that they play, you know, and they, they do hold you down a little bit longer, or they can, you know, make you lose the ball, you know, by ripping it out and not getting caught. He's one of them, and it's he, he's, he's nice for us to finally have one. Yeah, I thought King V, his best performance in a Salford shirt so far, I thought he was tremendous. I think we just need to tell him we play Leeds every week and he'll come up with a big performance <laughs> like that. I'm hoping so anyway, but yeah, I thought it was tremendous. I thought it was, like you say, we're, we're, yeah. we're wonderful against a you know a big Leeds pack mm-hmm. and it shows that you know the hunger and desire you know gets you gets you there, doesn't it? And I thought they were brilliant on on Friday. Big thanks for your three-word match reports, man of the matches. Mark, awesome performance, Watkins. Colin Wilson, top-notch defence, Williams, Andy Smith, man plays everywhere, Atkin. Parker, you said very memorable win, Croft. Paul, your mate Roy Ellaby, gutted not there. 
He said, everyone was his man of the match. Patrick Conley, win at Leeds at Kin. Chris Seedhouse, brilliant defensive shift. Partington, Adam Sarbury, solid away performance. Williams, Aoife, proper gift. Gritty win, Williams. Stephen Doyle doing it quietly. Atkin, Adam Siddall, outstanding result, Chris Atkin. I think Steve Doyle's got a point there, Paul, that we're not sort of setting the world on fire, but we are in the position to strike. I'd say we're at least setting the world on fire. We never win the... Wow. <laughs> no, I know. I get what people mean. I think sometimes people, you know, the, the eye-catching rugby league is when you, you, you take your in-teams, particularly perhaps the whole game this season, people look at that and go, wow. But I think, you know, sometimes you, you've got to go to grounds like Leeds and that's a massive win. You look at their their team, some big players in there, some international players, some experienced players, Blake Austin, you know, you know, Mug. You know, Bentley's played for England. You know, they've got that uh, Newman, Ash Handler. They're household names, aren't they? And, and we went there, and I thought we was head and shoulders above them. Uh, you know, that first half we went twelve, and they looked we totally bossed the game. And you know, you're not going to beat teams thirty odd points every week. You've got to grind things out. Look at St. Helens the way they go about the business. You don't, you know, you don't blow teams away every week. You've got to win ugly sometimes, haven't you? But I, I thought we played well. I thought we did some good stuff. I thought we dominated the game. And, and your halfbacks, look at Leeds. Like I said, Austin there, they've got Caesar. I know he didn't play. But we've got Brody Croft, Mark Sneed, two blokes that know each other inside out. They work so, so well together. The pleasing thing for me, I know we've, we've probably lost Brian Bradley this week to his injury, but the, the great thing for Solver at the moment is the spine of the team. It's so settled, that spine. You've got And you've got Atkin as well. You've got this magician that comes off the bench and helps you out as well. That can play in every single position on the pitch, wash the kit, drive the bus. Chris Atkin just does everything. So yeah, I, I'm I'm really pleased with it, and and like you said, the the three word match reports. Some people have said the whole team, but it's difficult to pick somebody. You know, look at look at Reese Williams. I think that was probably his best game for for a long time. He could have been man of the match for me. His work rate, his defence, last last ditch tackling, scored a try as well. So so yeah, I think anybody who, who gets the award deserves it. Yeah, so let's move on to our ladies. They were in Challenge Cup action last weekend. They played Cardiff at home and went down to defeat. They lost eight points to 12, Parker. It was a tremendous cup tie. Obviously, Cardiff, Super League South double champions. So they are, you know, a very good team. But our ladies didn't take a backward step. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's obviously not not great. It's back-to-back defeats for the girls and we're not, we're not used to that. It's not happened, but I think there's been a... An obvious step up in class this season to the the opposition we're going to face, and it's it's a bit of a steep learning curve at the moment. But I think I said last week about about the, the you know the, obviously the game in in Wales they they do get the pick of you know they're not fighting for other players with, with other clubs, so they've probably got some you know decent players, and a lot of them will probably have come from union backgrounds. So rugby's not alien to them, you know. It's not a they're not just learning. Some of these will have played for a while and. I think we said last week, it's nine of their team are the Welsh international team. It, it was always going to be tough, and it is unfortunate. But this this year again, it's you know we learnt a lot last year coming through that a, a baptism, if you like, and we did really well. But this this step up now is is clearly a lot tougher than we you know maybe we thought. But they cannot you know it's a close it's a close run thing. It's just just not happened yet. But uh, I'm sure the girls will improve as as the season goes on. Yeah, Cardiff opened the scoring through Amy Rook. Uh, the standoff, Paul, had an opportunity 
about a minute before where she slides through, but good defence from Salford intercepted the ball. We played a set, and then the next set, they went over for a, a try through Rook, sort of around the Rook, sort of found a bit of space, went over 6 0 then. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's been a tough game, wasn't it, for them? And you know, it's been a hard start this season, hasn't it, to the, the Challenge Cup, you know, the, the, the group stages. And, you know, they, they just got to keep working hard to, to get better, really. I know they're going to get a break this weekend for the, in the Nines competition, and that could do them a world of good, really, you know, going into that and, you know, a bit of different format because it, it's been a difficult baptism of fire, hasn't it, really? And playing quality teams week in, week out. But no, it was, it was a tough game for them at the weekend. Yeah, so at that point, both forwards went to war and it was absolute box office for me. I watched it with like through my fingers at one point. It was it was tremendous stuff from both teams and not, not just our lady because obviously, you know, like, I don't know what the feeding room in Cardiff, but the, whatever it is, we need to get some of it because they were they were powerful and, and running hard. But our lady just stood, stood strong and, and gave it them back as well, which, which was fantastic. Attacking wise, we had opportunities as well. Jemmy Jones put a bomb in the air, ball ricocheted back to us, put a little grubber kick through. Alex Simpson chased it. Their fullback, Burrow, got to it, just kicked it dead, Parky. But the opportunity was there and, and the you know the chances were coming. Yeah, creating chances. You know, the, the, the game against Fev was was a little bit like that. The scoreline probably didn't reflect the result in, in you know in, in many ways. I think we were a little bit unlucky at times, and obviously last week we lost you know so many players to injury. We we are creating, you know, we, we do we do create chances, and it's just it's just not happened. And it's I suppose it's a tough one to put your finger on at times when you you are going through this and you're thinking why why aren't we? You know what? What I mean that could easily go for you. It turns again. You win the game. You know, you, you score that. You kick the goal and you're ahead. But yeah, I think there's a it's obviously work to do. The other thing, I mean, you mentioned the forwards, and I think I don't know if it's just me, but I think our forwards are a lot smaller than the other team's forwards. Something I've noticed, I noticed it a couple of times last year, I think ours are not not massive, you know what I mean? It's not a big pack in many ways. They're all sort of mobile. Hmm. A bit, I suppose a bit like the, the, the men's team. It's that kind of same thing and every week you're going to face it. And, and these ladies from, from Wales, like I say, I dare say some of them have come through rugby union and it's a forwards game, rugby union. So they'll be well skilled at you know and, and know how to how to you know take the ball in and, and, and protect it. So yeah, I mean it'll happen for them. But this week it's just tough because it's the cup, but it is the cup. We want it's the league that's important this year to stay in that, that that division, not get relegated again or anything like that. You know, just stay in there. So we can learn a bit from these sort of pre-season games, if you like. If you want to put it like that. I know it's a cup, but because we've got we've got a real tough game coming up. And that's you know, so that's not going to be easy. In a, I think a couple of weeks, but no, we, we've just got to keep plugging away, and it, it it'll come. Yeah. So got towards the end of the first half. Salford built pressure. Lovely switch from right to left. Went through the hands. Sage Bannister went for the corner. Popped up a lovely, lovely little ball to Steph Gray, who came back in the angle. Went over in the corner. Oh, behind yeah. six ball. Sorry. So second half, Parker. We had momentum in that second half. The Chances came with forced dropouts. We caused errors on their on their sort of line. Didn't score till sort of later on, um, but it was it was a moment where, like you said, Cardiff are sort of sort of a Super League champions of, of, of the South. So to test them in the Challenge Cup shows how far our ladies have come. Yeah, that's it. And I say it every week, and we still got you know 
we're still learning. The girls are still learning. Some of the girls are still in there, you know, been playing for a year and not from any other background. You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't rugby league players or anything like that. So there's a, there's a lot of learning going on at the moment. And, and games like that, I mean, who said it the other night? I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been a football commentator or something. But, but you know, you, you do, a lot of the time you will learn more by defeat than you will by actually winning. And I think that's what's going to happen for us this year. But it's just a shame that, like you say, we, we create chances. We're just not, it's the bounce of the ball or that last pass. Or, you know, it's just not not clicking. But it, it, it will, it'll fall into place for them. And games like that on on the Sunday, which obviously a tough competitive game, will come out on top of eventually because we'll have learned from that. And you know your mistakes. You just, Sometimes as well, when you when you're in a game like that, you, you feel you, you feel you can win it. You're only a couple of points behind. You, you can force it a little bit too much. Yeah, I think it's just taking a step back and having that, you know, that, that take a moment and let's let's just build a bit of pressure. I mean, the first team have done it enough. Let's not you know let's not pretend. So yeah, that that's the only the only thing at the moment. But it's just it's just unfortunate. What they've got to do is not get downhearted by it and realize that you know it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. So basically, at that point, it looked like the Welsh wall was about to crumble. We passed the ball out wide. Unfortunately for us, they intercepted it. The standoff, I think it was Rook, ran 60 metres. Louis fell in tractor back, forced an error. But unfortunately, at that point, they had momentum. So they pressed us back a bit. Little kick through. Sage managed to manage to catch the ball and, and were forced to like a dropout. Then, error from them, put us in position. And a try from Alex Simpson, little kick by Demi Jones. Simpson managed to grab the ball and put it down in the corner. And Salford led at that point, Parky 8-4 with about 20 minutes to go. Yeah, I'm a little bit, a little bit surprised. I mean, the, the, you mentioned there about the interception. And it's moments like that can actually turn games. Hmm. You know, that, that I'm saying about that bit of luck that you need or whatever. Unfortunately, it, it, it didn't. But I think if we'd have scored at that point, before that, yeah. we'd have gone on you know, won the game. I don't, it's just, just didn't happen. And it is just little moments like that. But I mean, Demi's got, Demi's a very, a very smart player, very clever. I like, you know, you mentioned off air earlier about, her, you know, a little kick and, and that sort of thing. She she knows, she knows the game. She's played it for a long time. She understands the sport, you know, and and she creates for, for other people. And I know we missed her the first game, didn't we? She was, she was out for that. So, She's probably only just getting back into it, as in fitness after you know a long break in between. So she, she's got, and again, she's you know it's encouraging signs. But again, I'll say we we create chances, we score decent tries, but you know when we get going, but we just we just need the the, the bounce of the ball, and it, it went it went their way in the end. Mm. She's got competition with Sam Evans now, though it's going to be a right tussle to see who gets the the seven shirt when Sam is fit. So. As many cup ties go, Paul, the time ticks down. Everyone gets a bit nervous. Cardiff then got a penalty with about two minutes to go. Managed to leapfrog up the pitch. And their prop forward, Lauren Aitken, crashed over with about 90 seconds to go to break Chris Bates' ladies' hearts. Yeah, and, and that's how it goes sometimes, isn't it? You put so much into a match and you know, you, you're know you done there right at the end, aren't you? Done? Things just don't go your way, and we've seen that many a times, haven't we? So I think, like Parky said before, it's the league this season for the ladies, isn't it? And I know the cups are a distraction, and it's a challenge cup, and it's a massive thing, isn't it? You know, it'll be at Wembley as well. It'll be a double header, and you know they're still alive in that competition. But 
you know, you can't fight on all fronts sometimes, can you? And I think survival and that, that Super League's the, the main thing, isn't it? And they're going to learn from from the defeats. I mean, last season was pretty rosy, wasn't it? Winning games every every week. And, you know, it's tougher this time round now. And I think you learn a lot more sometimes in, in defeats, don't you? And you do, you know, wiping the floor with teams. So it's going to be tougher than that. But as I said before, they've got that nines this weekend to look forward to, which should be, should be good, should be a good break from it. And I'm sure playing that sort of... Uh, brand of rugby and that, that format of the game might be a bit more enjoyable and be, be the refreshing break that the ladies need. Yeah, so unfortunately, ladies go down to defeat, but went down, you know, fighting, gave the, the Cardiff Demons a, a real test for me and, you know, it's it's a positive thing even in defeat. So that's our review of both the games and now we'll see what's happening in the world of Sulphur Red Devils. So we'll start with the new supporter share scheme. There is a seminar organised on the 23rd of May. It's a Tuesday. It's called Red Rise Together. It's from 7pm till 9pm parker opportunity for fellow owners to get together and the club to sort of do a presentation for them and see what's going on yeah just it'll clear up a, a few details but you know meat on the bones if you like of, of what, what what the plan is you know it's easy for well, sort of a thing out there and people are sending the money in quite willingly but you, you do want to know more you, we, we know the basics we know what it's for we know what the plan it kind of is but so it'd be interesting to hear from the people who are in charge who've come up with this as to what the long-term plan is, you're going to become an owner of something. You need to know exactly what it is you're taking over and, and what going forward, what decisions will you be involved in? What's, you know, what level of involvement is, is needed? So it's a good thing for the club because I think there's still, you know, obviously time after that that people can join. And I think if there's any questions or any, you know, any doubts about something, clear it up then and then, you know, you can invest or, or, decide not to whichever you know your preference but yeah it's, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to hear what's said and you know what what they can outline for the future yeah we're on 138,000 pounds at the moment Paul 525 investors have pledged money forward to it so obviously you know the momentum's there at the moment it's been going what two weeks yeah yeah the momentum's there but like Parker said there's probably a lot of questions that that people want to ask and, and things like that because you know money in rugby league it's not just a one-off thing is it this this money's neat going to be neat. I mean I'm not an, an expert don't get me wrong about finances and that but the way I look at it is you need a constant there's flow of money don't you so say you've got 150 grand this month you need 150 grand next month and the month after so where does all that money come from that's that'd be my sort of take on things you know it, it needs to be constant doesn't it so I know people can't keep plowing loads of money in but I suppose you, this is where you need people to invest as well, businesses and things like that. So, so yeah, it's, it's been great, you know, to see the start of it and, and the generosity of people. And, you know, it just shows our club, you know, we, we're trendsetters, aren't we? You go back to the, you know, the 60s with the Snape era, how we went about things then, you know, with a social club and things like that. We set trends and others, others followed. So now we're doing that again all those years later, being the first club to do something like this. So it's a long way to go, as I said before, because, you know, money's, it's easily gone, isn't it, money, you know, on someone's wages or, or this, that and the other. So it's going to take a lot, but it's been a great start and great to see, you know, so many people getting involved. Yeah, the business plan is available, Parky. Now, we've had a little skim through it. I think the figures are quite realistic. The timeline they want to do the plans in is quite realistic as well. So I think if you're looking at the 
sort of investing, if you're looking at that bank, uh, the business plan, then you're you're in you're in good times. Yeah, there's, there's no point blowing it up. You know, we we are in a a financial hole. It's as simple as that. But it it sort of like you say it outlines what we could do with that money and how how it could set us up nicely for the future. I think that's a, a big thing that Paul said there about it's all right, even if we make two hundred and fifty thousand out of this, what happens next? You know what I mean? What where's the next investment is you know, how do we go about with sponsorship? How do how do other people get involved in the future? What you know, what what is the where's the money gonna come from to, to keep us going? You really need to do something like this every year, but clearly it's not not viable. You know, people aren't just going to keep stumping up season ticket money, away travel, everything else, and an extra couple of hundred quid for something else. It's to know how it's going to work and how the 500 odd owners, how they fit together. You know, I, I don't think the three of us could have a, a full debate about something and come up with the same answer. So how 500 odd people do, I don't know. But, <laughs> so how is that going to work? How does voting work? How do you know that? So it'd be interesting to see, but I, I, I read it and I, I, I agree. I think like, it's all achievable. It'd be nice if, like Paul said as well, we need business to come in and, and make that the, the larger contributions. And then what I think you said it to me off there, Robin, I, I agree. And what I think about it is what's in it for them. And that, these are questions that need not just, oh, you'll get a, a meal here or you'll do that. I mean, what long term is, you know, is there any sponsorship that can come out of it? Is it you, to make companies go, I'll give you my money because it's, it's worth it. It is an investment in the community. And, and some of them could probably write it off as something depending on what, who they are and how big the company is. You know, I'm not talking about somebody's local cafe, but big business. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I do agree. I think there's, the, if we can achieve the, at least the 250,000, but if we go above that, it's going to put us in such a strong position going forward, certainly for the next 12, 24 months, that, you know, we can carry on the great work that's being done, all the teams we've got running, you know, everything that the, the development doing the, in the community, the money's got to come from somewhere and everything's going up. We know that in, in your own household that prices go up and uh, hopefully now, you know, we negotiate with the, the stadium, we get a bit of money back from, from that. So, you know, things do look bright. But we need to make this this work now. Yeah, I think with businesses, Paul, it's about they're they're both probably thinking, what do I get out of this? And it's like Parky said, it's about. I think it's more of a prestige thing if you're a business that I run this rugby, I help run this rugby club as well, and that makes me look like a better owner. Possibly that's be something. Maybe if you were an owner of business, you'd want to sort of use it to your advantage, maybe for your own business. But there's lots of things as well that I took out from the the business plan, which which excited me. That our attendances went up by 23 percent in 2022, and they're looking for obvious more increases in medium and long term, which which were I think it was 20 percent. So I think it's sort of quite sort of a realistic target. That yeah, I think at the moment the the attendances seem to be going up all the time. I think you know corresponding to the fixtures last year. You know, if you look, I think we've been really hard done to. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't know who plans the fixtures, but who we played at home so far this season, we've not played anybody. You know that would bring a big crowd like a Warrington, a St Helens, or a or a Wigan at home. We played Catalans, Wakefield, Castlewood, Ulkr, and Huddersfield. All the all the sides that don't really, you know, fair credit to it, but they don't, they're not well supported away from home, so. 
you know, we've not we've not really had that so far. Um, you know, in those games, I think the support has been good. I think the home support has been good. So, so yeah, people are buying into it, aren't they? And we're playing good rugby. And we're we're winning matches as well. So, what what South Rugby League club needs to do is get to Wembley and win that cup. Win that cup. Sell loads of shirts. And the Warrington did it. Moved. I've to, to, told you the story before. I mean, Warrington won it. You know, went to that new ground, won the cup, and it, it's it's given them a rocket, hasn't it? And propelled them to the next level. And I think that that could happen to Salford. You get to Wembley, you win the cup. You know, the the Wembley week, you get to sponsors coming, businesses coming. So things can happen, can't they? From there, you're just talking about investors there and what have you. I mean, I can't think of a rugby league club in the country that makes money. I can't think of any football teams that make money. You're not going to buy into it as a business or whatever, as an investor to make money. Because I don't think you will. Like you said, it's the prestige of, is it, you know, the, the business sponsoring it and things like that. So you know, I don't think sports teams make make money really. I don't think owners come in and buy a club or, or take over a club. They, they do it because they're interested in it half the time and it's a hobby and they love it and they love the sport. So, but, but no, regarding attendances and that, I think success on the pitch and uh, sustained sustained success, if I can say it, I think will all help. And yeah, yeah, please let's get let's get to Wembley. <laughs> yeah, Parker, you talked about the new deal they had with regarding the food and the drink with, with the stadium, and they estimate that we spend per person seven pound fifty a head on food, which obviously generates more cash for the club they didn't have before I think it's up to nearly nine grand which is which is good well yeah, anything going into the coffers is good but like it does I mean it goes hand in hand with performances on the pitch which ends up putting bums on seats which means they'll spend money in the stadium which means we'll get more money back plus the extra money we're getting through the turnstiles it's success on the part that will dictate financially but I mean considering we've been there for what 10-11 years and we, before this we hadn't earned a penny off the place mm. This is a massive step forward. And I agree, you know, the crowds this year are up and they will get higher because we will be playing these, you know, certainly the teams from this side of the Pennines. I mean, we're obviously going to travel better. That's going to, you know, Lee will bring a load. We know that. Obviously, Saints, Warrington, Wigan. So, yeah, we have been unlucky. We've played a couple of Thursday night games as well, which won't have helped us. But, yeah, I think these are things that are going to add in. And we need to... All this needs to be taken into account as to to planning going forward I don't think it's something Salford have ever done mm. I don't think they've ever taken stock of what, what it is where we are and where we're going I think it's always just been hand to mouth can we pay the bills this week can we put the lights on are the players getting paid that's and it's that's still the case but with this now it looks like there's an actual plan there of what we're going to do and it, you know it's credit to everybody at the club who've, who've, who've got the ducks in a row now and if we can get the money I think I said on on Friday night, I, I phoned my brother on the way home and, I, you know, I said, Leeds are, are massive. You know, they had 13,000 there the other night. They spend full salary cap. They've got they've got everything. And yet, on the pitch, they look awful. We've got nothing. And yet, somehow, we're, we're fantastic. Mm. Imagine what we could do with their money. How good we could be. Because our recruitment it appears to be spot on. Everything around the club at the moment just feels right. feels good. And for the first time, possibly ever, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone but we seem to be moving into a more professional era we've been a professional team for god knows how long but you know as a club off the pitch it's never felt like that. it's never run like that and now that that's 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 starting to change yeah so medium and long term is basically ramping up what they're going to do short term talking about succession planning that's a bullet point in in the in the business plan they talk about sort of uh planning 
continuing, like you say, to to convey a belt of players, both outside our sort of academy slash environment, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, sort of producing players ourselves, Paul, as well. So there is obviously plans to get a elite academy in in a few years' time as well. That's sort of a medium term effort. So the the plans are there. They've got sort of building blocks in place. And I think Parky, like Parky said before, it's about putting meat on the bone now for the next couple of years. So when obviously we get to manage to to, to eat and and taste success. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, you look at Leeds. I mean, I was thinking that on on Friday night when I was there in the stadium, it's like a Premier League football ground, apart from the West Terrace that they always dump us on, which has never changed in like 60, 70 years, has it? But other than that, you know, we look at hospitality they've got there and the, the pathways they've got. They've got everything. They really haven't. And yet, and yet like Mike said, we, we beat them. We're above them in the table, aren't we, as well? So, so yeah, I think with us, we're, we're, we're starting a bit behind these clubs, aren't we? You know, we've not had that investment for, for a long time. We've not had the success. Look at look at how many pots and pans leads have won, how many Super Leagues they've won, how many trips to Wembley they've had, World Club Challenge. We've not had any of that. So, so yeah, we are starting behind. But you've got to start somewhere. And I think we're being run in a professional manner now. Uh, and I'm just thinking about the game on Saturday, going to say, Ellen's, I mean, when I first started watching Salford, like you guys, we used to go to Knowsley Road and used to say to my dad on the way, they got if we can keep the score under 40, you know. It's a, it's a moral success and, and we come home sort of happy really and, you know, looking forward to the next game. But but now we sort of go in there and Leeds and, and Wigan as well, hoping to win the game. You know, not just competing and keep the score down. Let's get there and win. So that whole mentality of the club's changed. And so I think on off the pitch, things have changed. But I think on the pitch as well, I think the supporters' mentality is changing. People expect now. You know, if we get thumped at St. Helens on, on Saturday, people will be disappointed because... They go in there expecting us to, to do a job. So, so yeah, it's a bright time to be a solver sport. I think we, we sort of said this last season, and I think we were saying it the season before as well. It's been building up now for a couple of years, hasn't it? This And, and things are just starting to go in the right direction, and let's just hope they keep going. Yeah, talk about in the community as well, Parky, growing our profile, reaching out to the community, engaging more, getting more people involved in the sport, and things like that. It's, you know, it's exciting. And, and it's, more, it's realistic as well for me, which makes it even more exciting. I think one of the key things that needs to be sort of cleared up, and, and this is where money comes in again, is, is a marketing you know, budget, which we clearly don't have. We, we seem to, for, for many years, target the same fans, the ones who already know, you know, preaching to the converted in many ways. Salford's quite a big place with a decent population, I would guess that 10% might know about when Salford are playing. We, we've got to get out there and get, get the message out, not just in Salford. Obviously, the whole of Greater Manchester is our, our oyster, if you like. You know, we've got, got South Manchester where there's, there's no rugby league at all, where we could easily try and attract fans. I know Sale try and do it in Salford, so why would we not you know, do the same thing? It's, it's things like that that we need, to, we need to map out for the future now. But you can't do it without money. That's that's the the big thing, you know. You can you can be as creative as you like, but it's not you're not going to get to the wider public. I think if you walk around, you know, Lower Broughton or something like that, and ask them about Salford Rugby League, most people wouldn't have a clue. And that's that's not not good enough realistically. But it's something that we you know we've got to change. And I think there's a plan now, and I think that this is why they want this investment, so we can bring people in to do that job professionally and and get you know get us back out there. Yeah, 
also talk of increasing our commercial revenue and non-match day revenue, Paul, which is important. Like I said before, we didn't really have that opportunity, but now we do. And hopefully, like I say, we'll be able to make money from that area of, of hospitality and then pull it back into the club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean... I know when we've been to to Warrington, sometimes we when we go in that press bit there. You see the amount of boxes they have there, and people having meals and all that, and you know what goes on. And I think Lee are the, the same, aren't they? I think they have, have quite a bit of stuff going on on match days, and it's you know that's all money in the in the club's coffers, isn't it? And I was surprised what you said before seven pound a head. You said, mm. didn't you? People spend on a match day. I don't spend anywhere near that, but <laughs> but it's great to see that that we are getting some money from that now. And it's been a long time coming, really, hasn't it? You know, playing in a stadium where you're not making anything, you're on a hiding to nothing, really, aren't you? And you, you know, you need those those revenue streams coming, especially for for a club like us that's not got like a, a club shop and who sells loads and loads of merchandise and things like that. So every little sort of helps us really doesn't it so uh, so yeah let's hope that all these things start moving in in the right direction now because i think everything's there for us i really do i mean this season you look how close we got last season to you know being champions really one game away from a grand final you know this season we're playing some good stuff that, that could all happen again it's going to be another exciting ride but i'm just hoping like Parky said there salford's a massive area a massive place let's just hope we can spread that word to you know to the rest of the city and, and beyond yeah, you don't you don't spend seven pound fifty, Paul, because you're tight as a bass drum. So <laughs> our Imogen does. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know it, it's it's there the business plan. You know you can you know, have a look at it on the on the website, and and obviously the, that'll give you all like what you need to know if you're sat here wondering whether you can, whether you want to or not. Read the business plan and, and then make your decision. Other news, Parky wheelchair rugby training starts on the 14th of May at Eccles College. 10.30 to 11.30 is going to be every other Sunday. So opportunity, you don't have to be in a wheelchair to, to be in Sofa the Devil's wheelchair team. If you want to represent the club and play wheelchair rugby, opportunity knocks for you. Yeah, I've mentioned it a few times. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing that. I think it's a fantastic spectacle. Really is. It's, it's, you know, we've mentioned it a few times. I mean, the physicality of it is, is unbelievable. And I think it'd be something fun to try. Hmm? You know, even if you, you didn't want to get involved as in, you know, playing the game, game day or something like that, just to have a go because it's it'd give you a different sort of outlook on, you know, on people who use chairs as well. You know, you'll open your eyes a little bit to, to how, you know, difficult life can be. But yeah, no, that'd be, that'd be really good. If I could ever get myself fully fit, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a go. But then I think, I don't know, I like my fingers. I don't want to lose any doing that. So, but no, it's, it's a fantastic spectacle. Every time I've watched it, I haven't failed to enjoy it. You know, it's it, no matter who I've seen, it's never been us, obviously, because our team hasn't hasn't started yet. But it, it's it's really enjoyable. I think it's possibly my my favourite style of rugby league. Mm. I really do. I think it's it's brilliant. Mm. I knew there was going to be a caveat there. When, when I get fit, I'll, I'll play. I thought, then, then next time it's windy and then you get that gate sort of like wind in the wind, like squeaking. It's not the gate, it's ever Robinson wheeling that wheelchair towards your front door. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you want to get down, get down there, you know, and have a go. I'm, I might try and get down there just to see, just see what it's like and, and have a go. You know, it's, it sounds like it's going to be exciting. Paul, other 
opportunities for people. Learning disabilities team training on a Tuesday, walking rugby also on a Tuesday, 7pm till 8pm at Eccles College. So like I say, you know, opportunity to, to get fit and, and make friends. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. I mean, whatever form of rugby league you play, you're going to enjoy it. I mean, that walking rugby league sounds pretty good to me. You know, you know you're, you're still able body. I mean, you might not be the quickest, but if you're quick upstairs, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll manage at that. I mean, I know you guys are talking about wheelchair rugby league there. From what I saw of it last season in the World Cup, it was absolutely brutal. So there's no way, no way you're getting me in a wheelchair because it, no, it, it's too tough for me, that. But yeah, I mean, if you can get involved in it, I'm sure you'll, you'll really enjoy the, the learning disabilities, the physical disabilities and the, the walking rugby. All forms of rugby, you can have a cracking time and, and enjoy it with the people you, you're playing with as well. Yep. Other news, Parker. Our former owner, Marwan Kukash, has been declared bankrupt. It's been re- reported in the Racing Post. Obviously, he had a he came to Salford in with a with a bang and and left with a whimper. And, but it was a it was a mad few years. Yeah, I wonder how many people out there are still asking for him to come back. I think it was only last week on Twitter people were saying, "Why is Matt, you know why can't we get Marwan back?" Look, Paul King outlined a few weeks ago what, what a mess he left the club in. And now you can see, you know, he, he's bankrupt. So he's not obviously not great with money, whatever it is. His tenure wasn't wasn't brilliant, was it? We started off, like you say, we all got excited. We're signing all these players. We're going to do, you know, he's going to build a water park at the stadium. You know, I mean, I'm still waiting for that. There's a sewage works. I don't think that's what he meant, though. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I feel for the man in that way. I don't, you know, I don't wish he'll let anyone. But I don't know, I don't... Uh, it doesn't surprise me that this is this has happened, and I think we've we've had a very lucky escape. I mean, if he'd have got his wish and moved us to Manchester, we wouldn't exist now. Mm. That's as simple as that. Because the Manchester club would have gone bust because of this. And that's if it had got this far. So yeah, we we and, and you look at you know you look at Paul King now, and he, the, the difference is is unreal. You know, he, he doesn't make bold promises. He doesn't say, he tells you how it is. He doesn't cover anything up. You know, he, he'll let you know that we, you know, financially, we're not, we're not in a good place, but they're doing everything they can to, to resurrect that and sort that out. But Marwan, it's a shame. If it had worked, you know, the way we all dreamt it would, we'd been the biggest club in rugby league by now. We'd have had Sam Burgess a few years ago, you know, and I think Tompkins was coming and everybody. He's all pine this guy, really, let's be honest. But uh, I suppose it was fun while it lasted. Mm. This podcast, Paul followed the trials and tribulations of Marwan Kukash as our owner. It did give us lots to talk about, uh, but it never really, you know, delivered. Mainly misery, Rob, wasn't it, really? Basically. I mean, Points <laughs> deductions in this, that, and the other. Listen, I mean, I wouldn't, like Bag said, I wouldn't, I'm not a malicious person, me. I, I never say a bad word about anybody, really, and I wouldn't wish ill on anybody. But, you know, I, I had no real time for him. I mean, he tried to take away South Rugby League Club and, and, and make it into Manchester and it really broke my heart. Like the, the stress of having him is that he was constantly looking over your shoulder worrying, was this club, my club going to get taken away from me? So I was just glad when he, he'd gone, really. I mean, I don't know. I don't really like talking about him, to be honest with you, but it is what it is, isn't it? Now he's gone and you know, I think Marwan just loved Marwan, really, didn't he? So I think I, I'm glad we've got someone like Paul King in charge who, who, who loves rugby league and loves loves the club. And, you know, all the supporters love Paul. And I think Paul loves all the supporters as well. He lets on to everybody. He's such a lovely guy. And I think that that's what an owner should be. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. He Paul King is, is 
sort of the, the heartbeat in it. Everyone, everyone sort of does it for him, and that and that's that's where we we are now for me. But yeah, yeah, it was it was an experience. But we've 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 gone on to to bigger and better and brighter things with with Paul King. Other news, Parker. Last week we talked about our link up with Ghana. You've got some scores. I have. Yeah, just just to finish on Marlon there. By the way, what what I will say is, in many ways, he did save us. You know, we were on death door, weren't we? Mm. So I'll, I'll give him credit for that. But that's that's about it, to be honest with you. I don't. I, I really. Yeah, nothing else to say on the matter. Yeah, I've got we've got a guy, a connection over in Ghana at the moment. A guy contacted me a while ago via social media, and I've spoke to him a few times about the game. He's he's massively involved in rugby league in Ghana. He's you know he plays at international level, and he's he's really enthusiastic about the sport. He loves it, and it's great to see that somebody who's you know, it's not it's not a sport. It's not a native sport to them. It's not something that you know in Africa we're really known for. The passion shown by him and the other teams, it's good to see. And yeah, so I've got in touch with him. He's going to give us updates. We're trying to get him to do it himself via Skype or whatever else, but we're we're having a few problems. But uh, so he sent me the scores this week. There's only there's only two games. Oh. Uh, there's only five teams in the league at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the first one was the, the Bears and the Tigers. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it finished the Bears four, the Tigers 56. So uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit of a convincing win there. And he's, he actually sent me the, I think he sent me the man of the match as well, which was, where is it? He, the man of the match, he scored, he made seven line breaks and scored four tries. So, Pretty obvious why that guy was man of the match. So we might be to keep an eye on. <laughs> and the, the other game was the Pam Scholars versus the, the Bulls. Mm. I think the Scholars are your team, aren't they, Rob? Yeah, my team. Yeah, I've gone with the Panthers this year. Have you? So, uh, but we, we, no, no game this week. But it finished the Scholars 6, the Bulls 24. Wow. Because the, the Scholars are, you know, they're, I think they're basically the top side over there. Hmm. But yeah, so but something to look forward to in the next few few weeks and months. That you know we can get the lad involved, William, uh, and hopefully he can give us a, an update as to the, the state of the game over there and and everything else. And yeah, so it's he, he's, he's interesting. But the passion that comes across, you know, he's like he could be born in Featherstone. He loves hmm. the game that much. So it's you know it's just great to see. Yeah, as a representative of the scholars, I thought you know we, we were we were. You know, robbed really. We, we had a lot of pressure, but you know, just couldn't turn it to points. And you know, we'll, we'll come again. You know, we, we'll thank the supporters for the for their efforts, the you know, support. And you know, we'll come back stronger ne- next week. Obviously, Paul, you've not managed to pick a team yet. Parky, what are the teams that are available for Paul? There, uh, well, it's any of uh, those that were, were left on there then. You're were... the Panthers and the yeah. Scholars. You got the Bears, the Tigers. And the balls. Okay, what's your feeling, Paul? I'll go with the bears because I'm not Brad. I'm not really that Bradford. I'm not bears, that Castle. Yeah. So yeah. I'll go with the bears. The old olden bears used to be, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, so well, yeah. I'll go with the bears. Right. So we'll see how that plays out. That's going to be exciting. I'm sure the skulls will bounce back from from this week's defeat. It's anniversary this week, Paul. 85th year anniversary of our Challenge Cup win. Mm, long time ago, isn't it? Mm, I know. And it's you know what an occasion it was, Parky. Obviously, you weren't there, but but you know what what a moment in our history. Yeah, I just missed out on that game. 
Yeah, I mean, at that time, obviously, we were a dominant force. We went back the year after, unfortunately, we lost. But at that time, it, you know, it must have been a great time to be a to be a Salford fan. You know, yeah, I mean, Wembley then was a new thing still to, to most people. So, so travelling down, can you imagine that in the 30s, travelling mm. from Salford to, to Wembley Stadium? I mean, you're going down to the big smoke in London, you... I, it's just a whole world away from where we are now. But no, I mean, it was, it's an achievement. And like Paul said before, winning the Challenge Cup, it's the holy grail for us because it has been 85 years. I mean, that's, it's, it's you know, generations of people n- not having that joy. And, and since then, you know, we went back, I said we went back the next year and we've only been twice after that in all that time. So, you know, three, three times since we've won it. So it was a, Obviously, a big, a big standout for us, and it's something that we 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 need to replicate. We need to get back there, and it's far too long between drinks. Mm. Yeah, so that's something to 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 remember, and and hopefully won't be eighty five years till we get there again. Parky, you've done a bit of a bit of digging regarding referees and stats, our mm. win ratios with certain referees. I've got to say at this point, obviously, the game needs referees. Is it a game without them? So, you know, it's all about, you know, making sure that we're respectful towards them and all that jazz. But there is some some percentages that are quite alarming. Yeah, it, it's interesting because every week you'll find some fault with the referee. I, I always do and I would do. And it's, it's, it's not always right. When you watch the game back, you go, oh, actually, it wasn't that bad. And then there's referees that you always think that he hates us. He's got it in for us. Mm. He doesn't like us. And actually, some of the stats are, 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 are tell a completely different story. That we, you know, the percentage of wins with a certain referee is higher than you would actually expect with some, and some more favourable ones that you've thought of. It's completely the opposite. I mean, I've had a look at obviously the referees from this year that we've had, and it's it's interesting that we obviously we, we're winning games, so it's, it's it's an easy comparison. But we seem to get some referees a lot more. And others, one of the main things for me is that Chris Kendall, who we've got again this week, it's the fourth time we've had him this uh-huh. season. You know, we're not even a quarter, we're not just what is it, two thirds of the games or something like that gone. He's crazy how we, we got him. Overall, it, his stats actually stand as we think they do with us because I, I don't think we get the rub of the green with Chris. I don't know why. But in, in the 30 games he's refereed us, we've only won eight. <laughs> that's a that's a less than a 27% win rate with a certain referee. Now, I, I don't know if you can read into that. I don't know whether it's just the fact we were rubbish and we got beat, you know, but it, it does stand out when you've got other referees. The the other one that's, that stands out for me at the moment is, is Jack Smith, mm. who's another one who I've had a few grumbles about recently. And yet, in all the games he's refereed us, we've got over a 61% win rate. So it kind of changes you. You, you know, I, 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 when we get him every week, I think, oh, we've got him again. And then you actually look at the stats and go, that's not bad at all. That's, that's <laughs> quite good. Um, can we have him every week? Uh, and, and this year, we had Aaron Moore for the first time. We've had him twice. And we've won both games. So I'm quite... I'm quite happy with him. He can he can come again without a doubt. <laughs> but another another one, the, the referee we've had the most that I can see in in sort of recorded history of it is Ben Thaler, who we've managed to have fifty three times, but only won fifteen. <laughs> wow! 
you know, 28%. So he's still better than, than Chris Kendall. But I've always thought of Thaler as a quite a fair referee. I thought mm-hmm. he's done well for us. But clearly not, as it as the case is. So it just shows this this perception we have of referees and he's a good referee, he's a bad referee. But actually, when you look at the ratios, you, you can change you can change your thinking a bit. But unfortunately, this week we have got Chris Kendall and the stats do say what we all think they say. But we, you know, sometimes you've just got to overcome that. Any particular referees, Paul, that make you break out in a cold sweat? Don't really pay attention to him, Robert. I mean, I knew for a fact we'd get Chris Kendall for this game because we always seem to get him against St. Helens. He was the referee for the semi-final. He was the referee for the grand final. And, and I don't think he gives us anything, really, to be honest with you. I think he, he's one of them referees that he's a bit like that John Olds refused to be. He likes this... You know, likes the, the crowd to be on him, a bit like Ganson, doesn't he? And I don't know. For me, a, a good referee should should let the game flow. You know, referee with common sense, and you shouldn't really see him. You know, you should let the, the teams do the talking. For me, a lot of referees now they they like to be the centre of attention, don't they? And yeah, I don't I don't really pay any attention. If we play well, we'll win the game, won't we? So so yeah, I'm not really worried about. I, you know, some of them stats. I always thought Ben Thaler was all right. He always lets on to me at Salford, but. I'll be tricking him up next time I see him after them stats, blimey. Parker, you know my nemesis, Cal Kirkpatrick. Tell me. Yeah, a very interesting stat. Now, he was one of of those referees that made me break out. I I remember a couple of games in the the championship, I think, in 2008. Yeah. um, Against Whitehaven, both home and away. And he was, he gave them everything he tried his very very best and you're like what have we done to you but and this will surprise a few i think i'm looking at this we had him we only had him 18 times in all his time he refereed us we won nine we lost eight and drew one so we had a better win record within we had a 50 percent win record basically with with kirk patrick and you're like but he was awful for us but the actual, the, the worst I can see of somebody we had over 10 times, because otherwise he's, there's, there's no real comparison, is that was now the big wig in Australia, Mr. Ashley Klein, who from the 11 games we had with him, we won one. Wow. That's not a great record. That's uh, what, you know, 9% or something of, of wins. Again, it surprised me because I don't remember. I don't think he was a great referee, but I don't remember him being that that bad. Mm. So again, it was more. It was just this perception. As soon as I heard this week, it was Kendall. I thought, how many times do we get him? And then you look and you go, yeah, it's not a great referee for us. But some others, they'll, they'll take you by surprise. So maybe it's, it's time I, I laid off the referees a little bit because um, they're, they're not all as bad as I thought they were. Maybe Kyle Kirkpatrick is the. Rubbly equivalent to Mr. Bean. There's like, yeah, they only had like eight episodes, but you think they've had about 15 series because we've seen them like so many times. Maybe that's it. But yeah, I was I was physically shocked when you said that off air. I was like, what? But I yeah. remember having that Ashley Kleiner. Uh, do you remember that 2006 game when, uh, well, it was 2006 season when Wigan were really struggling and they were down at the bottom, Brian Noble coming in and thought, oh, we're going to get relegated. And Ashley Klein was their referee every week <laughs> towards the end of the season. I remember going there watching Salford and he, 
he must have penalised us. I don't know how many penalties. He must have had like, 20 odd penalties in the game. It was ridiculous. But another referee who I remember, and you might be because the stats are him. I'm not having a go at him, but he always seemed a real strange bloke, that Thierry Alibert, the French fellow. How do we go with him? Well, it's interesting you say that. I mentioned this to Rob earlier. I always thought that Thierry was was good for us. I thought he was a, a decent referee. I thought we always got you know a bit of the rub of the green with him. But uh, 23 times he refed us, and we only won eight. <sighs> so... You know, it's not a great record again. But again, that's what I'm saying about this perception of... I think sometimes you'll win a game, you'll be euphoric and you'll remember the good bits. And when you get beat or you play poorly, you'll focus a little bit more on them. And maybe with some referees, their their best games are really good or okay, but their worst games are awful. Yeah. And that, that just sticks in your mind. But yeah, it was interesting going through them. I thought... That's, it has changed my mind about referees quite a bit, except Chris Kendall. <laughs> so it's not, I'm not looking forward to Saturday, if I'm honest with you. But like we said before, the game needs referees. We need to respect them. It's a yeah. tough gig. And uh, now we'll see what's happening with our teams this weekend. It's time for the Devil of the So we'll start with the, the PDRL. They're in a festival in Bradford on Sunday. Paul, obviously, you know, they've got some good players there. It's going to be exciting. They play Hulkiar and Wigan. If obviously you're in Bradford or around Bradford, get yourselves down there and support them. Yeah, it should be a good day. I think the weather's looking pretty good this week. And then it's, so I'm sure they'll have a good day there. And, you know, two tough games against two giants of the of the rugby league world, Hulkiar and Wigan. So, so the bragging rights will be there, won't they? If we, can, if we can pull off some wins there. But no, I bet they're all looking forward to that. It should be a really exciting day. And if you can get there, like you said, it'd be, be a good day to go. Yeah, obviously, a kind of a, a, a complete full team now of, of Salford, Paul, and it's exciting. Obviously, now they're taking part in these festivals and, and you know showing pride in the shirt and playing some good rugby. Yeah, I think it, it's a shame that they seem to play them everywhere, but but our gaff at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I like to I like to you know go and watch them. I think the more encouragement we can give and support, you know, they're representing our club. These people, you know what I mean? It's, it's brilliant to see. And I think long term, I think there's got to be more structure put in place for, for that, for the, for the sport, for PDRL and, and, and the learning disability team as well, you know, and hopefully wheelchair going forward. It all seems a bit haphazard at times. And I know it can be difficult. You know, there's only so many people in rugby league organising things. And, but I'd like the chance to go and, go and see them all. I'll get them playing more on a match day where the first team are playing. You know, maybe have them after the match or whatever day we're going to play on. Or make it a day where the ladies team play, one of the learning disability team plays or whatever. Just give us a chance to go and support them and show that, you know, we appreciate what they're doing for us. Yeah. So it's exciting. 11 o'clock kickoff for Wigan, 1 o'clock kickoff for Hull KR. The ladies are in nines action Paul, Victoria Park, Warrington in their group is Leeds, Bradford and Cardiff. So that's going to be a, an exciting afternoon. Yeah, a chance to get a bit of revenge on, on Cardiff for the weekend just gone. But 
Yeah, it's, it's good that Victoria Park in Warrington. They have a lot of stuff there, and I'm sure that'll be another great day. As I mentioned, I think the weather's going to be all right. So, Nines Rugby League, I've not seen loads of it, but what I have seen of it, you know, and I've seen the Australians play, it's a good it's a good concept of the of the sport, really, isn't it? A bit more room, isn't there, as well? And, you know, obviously, you've got to be, you've got to be pretty fit to play that game because there's a lot more room on a pitch. But, yeah, I'm sure, the, I'm sure the ladies will enjoy that. It should be, it should be another good weekend. Yeah, last season... Parky, we were robbed of a space in the grand final day at the AGA Bell. Still not got over it. Still makes me angry inside. But now I've got the the basically the breakdown of of how the finals day is, is decided. Basically, the top team go through, and then a wild card gets picked. And last year it was the most points scored, I think. So at least we know now that what we've got to achieve to get into grand final day at the Salford City Stadium. Yeah, as long as it's a clear kind of criteria, because last year, like you say, was a farce. The mm. fact that we've been played at our stadium, we had a chance to put us in it, to, to get a crowd, you know, a few bums on seats, and they didn't They didn't put us in. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, I, I think the thing is with, with nines as well, it, it might suit us a little bit more, you know, our style of play. And, that you know, like, like I say, I think we've got a lot of, a lot of quick mobile players and you, you need that in, in nines. You know, you don't need six, you know, big trundling forwards or anything like that. So it might suit us a little bit more. And fingers crossed. You say, we've got leads, haven't we? Yeah. We play I mean, Cardiff at that. 10 to 2 on pitch one. We play Leeds at 20 past 2. And we play Bradford at 3.35. Parker. Well, the, the Leeds, I mean, Leeds game's the big test because they are, you know, supreme, aren't they? The professional team of, of women's rugby league. So they're the benchmark. So it'd be interesting to see us go up against them, even at that at nines rather than 13, just to see again that progress that we've made or how far off we are, where we've got to develop. But you need these challenges. So, but it will be good. It will be fun. Nines, like I say, nines and sevens and all that. It's, it's exciting because it's quicker. It's There's more room on the pitch. So yeah, you know, just good look, look, good luck to the girls and hopefully we can make the final. Yep. So basically, if you're not in Bradford, try and get yourselves down to, to Warrington, Victoria Park on Sunday and cheer our ladies on. Reserves are in action. Paul, they place Set Ellens in the curtain raiser to our to the to the first team's game. Obviously, Stuart Wilkinson's men, Victoria's last game against London. So hoping to, to build on that success. What time do you kick off that, Rob? Because our games are one o'clock kickoff. Is it about eleven o'clock that is it? Kicks off at ten forty five. And it's on the same pitch, is it? The ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that should be a good test. That'll be a good test for the for the Solver Reserve because you look at St. Helens and you know, they seem to have a you know conveyor belt of a conveyor belt of talent there. I mean, I know they had a couple of young lads in the in the squad recently actually who I wasn't too sure of and I've not heard the names before. So that'll be a big test, you know, stepping up against them. They're always a good two. It's like Leeds you play their reserves or or Wigan, St. Helens, the these lads are seasoned, aren't they? They've been around a good uh, a good environment, you know, and learning things all the time there. So this will be a big test for the solver reserves. Yeah. And obviously, like Paul said, Parkett, the, the youth, it's about development, opportunity to take on settlements who are a good side, with reserve level and, and grow. Yeah, I've noticed a bit this year with, with Saints again that they've got this next generation coming through of, of, you know, they've had injuries this year and they've had to put some of the lads in from the reserves and it's seamless. It's absolutely, you know, you, you think there's a season first team as there's a couple of guys a few weeks ago and they were 
they were just magnificent to watch. And obviously, they've already got, you know, sort of Lewis Dodd and people like that in, in the first team. They're all still young, you know, they've, they've already got that. And I think the key is, maybe even for us going forward, that's that's what we need, that, that challenge from behind to push and say, you know, if you're not going to play well, you're going back to the reserve. We've got players here who can step straight in. And also, I think for, for, for us and other teams, getting to see sort of these, these lads up close, because not all of them will stay at St. Allen's. Mm. You know, they'll see that their pathway is blocked by a player who might only be a couple of years older than them and thinking, well, they're going to have that for the next 10 years. I mean, Johnny Lomax isn't an old man, so who's going to take his place? Well, nobody, you know, unless he leaves and goes somewhere else. So you get a chance of sort of having a little bit of a look, a little bit of a spy, and I'm sure, you know, Paul Rowley might be interested in in looking at one or two of them. We, we've had some great loanees from, from Saints in, in recent years, so who knows? Yeah, so let's move on to... Paul Rowley's men, they're in action against St. Helens on Saturday. Paul, exciting. Obviously, we've won four on the spin. They're not firing. Could be interesting. Yeah, it could be interesting. I think it'd be a, a really good game. I mean, that game last season in that semi-final was an absolutely fantastic game. It really was. It was, you know, playoff football. It was it was like an NRL game, really. I really, really enjoyed it. Obviously, not the result we wanted, but I was proud to for my club, our club, to be part of, of such a, a great game. You're a massive following behind us as well. I'm hoping we take a, a good following again this week. We have done recently. I, th- I thought the away supporters at Leeds were tremendous. You know, that, that West Terrace there, I mean, you don't normally get many Salford fans going there, just like normally the the headbangers and the hardcore that go and the people are a bit daft but no people are buying into it now aren't they so I'm really looking forward to, to the weekend I mean it's been 40 consecutive defeats now at St Helens over 43 years and I'm doing some stats this week we've won there eight times since the second world war two draws I think we've I've got the record here for you actually I wrote it all down I think I sent it to you before didn't I Played 84, lost 74, drawn 2, won 8. That's since 1946. Mm. So, so it's, uh, it's madness, isn't it? It is absolutely madness. We've come close, though. We've come so close. Mm. I mean, particularly since they've moved to the new stadium. I mean, how many times have we... I mean, there was that defeat with the drop goal from Matty Smith. We had that late try. I think it was Bentley who scored that late try in 2019, was it? When we... We sort of took a big lead, didn't we, in that game, the comebackers. And last season in the league, 14-10, Chris Atkin races through right near the end and gets taken down. So, yeah, I'd love to see us get a victory there, really would. Yeah, it's a graveyard for us, Parker. 1980, I'm informed, is our last victory there. I thought it was 1975. My search engine didn't didn't do me many favours with Paul Rowley, but at least he knows it's a long time since we won there. Yeah, it is. I, I don't. I, I agree with what Paul said. There, we've been close a number of times. I remember the one at Nosley Road and all, where I think we lost by a point. I think. I think we hit the post with a drop goal or something. Twenty-seven, twenty-six. I think it yeah. was. Pat, you want it? That that's the one. Uh, but then since we, they've gone there, yeah, we 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 certainly competing. And like Paul said earlier on, we usually go to Saints and expect Forte. You know, that's that's not happened. That's you know, we we, we you can come unstuck because if Saints click. They're, they're an unbelievable side. You know, they're not they're not world champ world club champions for nothing. You know, three times on the bounce they've won the the, the, the grand final. They're they're a superb side. Everything about the clubs run right. It's you know it's a perfect example. But what they what they have done now, I think they're a different breed. The Saints were always known as the entertainers. You know, you knew they were going to throw the ball about. We've seemed to have nicked that that mantle off them a little bit. But I think I think Saints on the day can still 
probably outdo anybody. But they're a very physical team. And they do grind you into the ground. They'll, they'll tire you out, you know, and then later in the game, that'll show. They're, they're a fantastic team to watch. And uh, it's going to be a great battle. Uh, but the thing is now, and you said it a while ago, Rob, that you spoke to Paul Rowling. He was, he was all about changing the perception of Salford Rugby League and, and the fact that how people saw us from the outside. And I, I don't think Saints will be, you know, looking forward to this in many ways. They, they certainly won't uh, take, it, take it easy. They'll know they're going to be in a battle, and and we'll go there without fear, and mm. no need to. If we if Salford are winning at Headingley, I mean, that's you know, it's, it's just unthinkable. So why can't we go to Saints and do it? We were like Paul said, we were really close last year, really unlucky. Uh, a couple of years earlier, we that that late try, which was again a terrible refereeing decision, going back to referees, but <laughs> I think it was on Sky that night, wasn't it? And they scored a try, which wasn't a try, but they won the game. But yeah, so we're getting closer. So this week, I don't see why we can't go there and win. Saints have still got a few players missing, haven't they, I think, as well. I mean, I know we have, but it's going to be interesting to see what the squads are when they come out. Mm. And if we can get anybody's back. Obviously, losing Ryan Briley is massive for us. Does he stick with Chris Atkin at fullback or does he bring somebody, you know, does he move somebody... It's a tough one because it, by moving, you know, a player from one position to fullback, then someone's got to fill that position, and then you're shuffling about. You don't want to do that. You want to keep it as consistent as you can. I think I, I'd happily see Chris Atkin there because I thought he was wonderful the other day. So yeah, but it's going to be it's going to be a great game. And I, I'm actually a bit gutted. It's it's an early kickoff on Channel mm. Four because I think that'll affect the, the crowd a little bit as well. I don't think as many will be able to travel. I know, uh, like my, my brothers, he, my nephew's playing football in the morning, and he's not going to make it, you know, because of the time of their kickoff. There'll be there'll be amateur games. There'll be people working. It's a bit of a shame because I think it's going to be a cracker. Yeah, prediction time, Paul. What's your what's your thought process on this? It's going to be a tough game. I mean, like Bag said before, I think they're very physical team, St. Helens as well. I think, you know, they they do like to play closer to knuckle. You look last season, they've got that Matty Lees in there, uh, Siren and the other fella, Knowles. I mean, without saying they're a dirty team, they 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 really fine line. And that's that's the way to play, isn't it? That's the way to play. So I think it's going to be tough. It's James Robbie's he'll get the record appearance as well for St. Helens at the weekend. He'll be, he's equal Kel Coslett's record, but I think he'll go one better to 5-3-2. I mean, that's an amazing achievement. And it for, for, you know, not a Saints fan, but I think he deserves a mention because he's been a terrific player, hasn't he, for them? And a terrific rugby league player. So, presume he'll get a bit of a guard of honour before the game so you know take all that into account hopefully it won't be typical old Saul for James Roby will score the winning try for St Helens <laughs> will roll over so I don't know I've not really given it a lot of thought to be honest with you I'm going to go back back us like an idiot mm. but I don't I don't think there'll be loads and loads of points I think it'll be two sides going toe to toe we'll win 17-12 17-12. Yeah, I, I, I go with what Paul said. I think it is going to be a, a close game. and I don't think there'd be... I mean, both teams could open each other up, you know, because that's, that's the kind of flair that both sides have got. But I think it's going to be a real arm wrestle. And I'm going to do something I think I've, I've never done, and that's predict a Salford winner at, at St. Helens. Uh, again, I'm going to go close. I'm going to say 16-10. To us, I can't remember what I said last week. By the way, you know, I think I think we both predicted a Salford win, but 
I can't remember what it was. I don't think it was far off. Oh. I'll have to listen back. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I think I think at the moment the confidence in the team, four wins on the bounce. I mean, how many times have we done that in our you know in, in recent history? We we don't. It's just not something we generally do. And if we don't turn up with the right attitude, we could get a spanking. Mm. But I, I like I say, I, I don't think we need to fear anyone at the moment. And the confidence winning at Headingley will have gone to the team. Yeah, I, I, I fancy us. Yeah, I think it's your responsibility to keep your own score in your own mind. So, I don't know whether I won or not. We'll, have to, we, we, well, you'll let us know next week if you won, that's for sure. <laughs> so, I think I think it's going to be a, a, a cracking game. I think it's going to be tries, tries, tries for both teams. I think it's going to be a great exhibition on, on Channel 4. New viewers watching two teams going head-to-head. I'm going to go Salford to win. I'm going to go Saints 32, Salford 46. 32, 46. And I'm going Chris Atkin at trick. Wow. Uh, points fest. Points fest. Yeah. It's going to be. Wow. It would be wow. good for the TV viewers, but I don't think it'd be great for the coaches. <laughs> They're pulling their hair out of the defence mm. at that rate. But yeah, I mean, you don't know. That's the beauty of this season as well. There's been a lot of upsets, and you know, if results weren't for us this weekend and we won, we, we'd be in a really strong position. And the other, the other thing is, I wanted to mention was people aren't talking about us. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Are people just going, "Well, that's what Salford do"? Everyone's talking up Hull Kingston, and rightly so. You know, they've been fantastic this year. And if I say, "Oh, can they go to the final? Can they?" Win? Yeah, possibly, but. Nobody's mentioning Salford. Everyone's obviously Lee's getting a, a load of mentions as well, and, and again, rightly so. But I don't know. Maybe we're slipping under the radar again. And a win we did back to back these two games at grounds we don't win at. I think that's a massive signal. What's the Paul Rowley mantra? Paul under promise, over deliver. That's what's happening. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, Paul Rowley will, will be focused. He won't play the occasion. Obviously, it'll all be about St. Helens and, and Roby and whatever. And that's just going on in the background. For us, we've just got to go there and do our own thing, haven't we? I mean, if you go to somewhere like St. Helens, Leeds, Wigan, you can't afford to make mistakes. You can't afford to give the opposition an inch. It's like going for a driving test or, or you know, an exam or a job interview. You can't cock it up. Because you know you're under the microscope straight away, so it's massive for us. We've got to be on our game. Everybody's got to play 100. percent Everybody's got to play well, and then you've got a chance. But you know, St. Helens, you look at the way they played against Warrington a few weeks ago. They smashed Warrington. I think it was 28 points to six. So I'm looking at the stats. I think they've won one in four Saints of the last four matches. So they were they were well beaten against against Catalan. And one of the stats as well, I think the the games they've lost this season. They've been 12 points in front in all of them, I think. They were 12 nil up against Catalan last week and they've, they've thrown leads away. So that's, that's a Phil Kinsella told me that stat today. And it was like, wow, I, I didn't know that. It was like a really, really funny stat. So, so yeah, I, I'm still wary of St. Helens. I think you have to be, don't you? Because they've got so much firepower. You look through the side, the pace that they've got, the pack's decent. You know, they've, they've got so many match winners. You know, people like Wellsby, they can win a game on their own, can't they? Low max. So, so yeah, you've got to be wary, but we've got to be confident in our own ability that we can go there and, and do the business. And I'm really, really, really excited. Yeah. So that's the end of this week's 
podcast. Big thanks for tuning in. Big thanks for, you know, donating via the Kofi. All the money goes on programs and editing equipment and, and things like that to help this podcast grow and get better every week. Parky, we can't thank our listeners enough for the support they give us. No, no, not at all. It's, you know, like I say it every week, how generous people are in, in these these times and, you know, everybody needs money at the moment. Things that life is it's just expensive, isn't it? So anything, when people spare, it amazes me. And it does give us a chance. I mean, I know I spoke to you off air earlier on, we've got a few ideas for for future, you know, mm-hmm. features where we'll need, we'll need people to engage with us in a more perhaps not physical way, but, you know, visual. <laughs> so that, that's something to look out for. And we are looking at, you know, obviously other things and it, it just helps us, helps us do that and helps it, you know, to hopefully to try and make this more than three blokes chatting. That's, you know, that's the dream. So uh, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah. It's always enjoyable, Paul. You know, it's, it's always great content. And obviously without our listeners, it's, it's just three lads and a laptop. That's right. I need to get my skates on though and get here on time, don't I? I keep mm. being late. Keeping <laughs> Brit warm. I know. I'll be getting in trouble by the teachers what I'm being late all the time. But no, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't thank people enough for, for, for what they do. And someone came up to me actually, Leeds on, on Friday when we was behind the goals. I think it was a, a lad called Andrew who listens on Twitter. He shook me hand and said, the podcast is great. Really love what you three do and blah, blah, blah. Keep going. And, you know, it's really, really nice of someone to say that, you know, to sing our praises, sing your praises, Rob, and all the editing that you do. And, you know, I think it's great. I really, really enjoy being part of my, doing my little tiny part of it. So, so yeah, well done, boys. Yeah. So, big thanks for tuning to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. Abro Parkson, you can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify, and YouTube. Good luck, Reds. See you soon.